Welcome. You're listening to Sunday Sermons from Catalyst Church San Diego, where we want to see our community, city, and world changed by the gospel. All right, we are finishing up our series today in Isaiah 9, 6. I've been just, I've, I've loved going through this series with you. This has been so much fun as we look at all these, these different names of the Messiah. In, the, in this verse, if you're not familiar with Isaiah 9, 6 yet, uh, with this verse, it talks about a, a child who is born, a son given to us. The government is on his shoulders, and it gives him four names. It says he's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an eternal father, and a prince of peace. And in fact, as I was chatting about that this week with Pastor Raul, it didn't even occur to me because you know, he said, well, my, our church is named after Isaiah 9-6, Principe de Paz. Amen. Amen. So we are going to talk about God in the flesh, the prince of peace. The world is... The world will try to give you peace without God. They'll, they'll come up with different things that, you know, there is something that's, that's unique about the human condition. Is that something we all face is that there is this, this need within us for peace. That we get through, there's chaos, there's struggles, there's things that we're facing. And we're people, we desire peace. We desire that within us. And I know that because there's so many answers these supposed answers to this problem for the human condition. I ran through some of them. They'll tell you, you don't need that religion stuff. All you need to do, you need to do, there's some things you couldn't do. One thing, practice mindfulness and meditation. If all, if all you do is you just, you take some time, you get engaged in the moment, you can reduce stress and increase your inner peace. Or they'll tell you to get physical activity, which is good. There's nothing, there's nothing but as I go through these things, they're going to be useful things there, right? So getting physical activity is good, but is that going to give you true, lasting inner peace? If I get it, it's going to tell you, they'll tell you, get into healthy relationships. Get into, uh, you know, we need family and friends who can provide emotional support. You can pursue hobbies, pursue interests, you know, whether you like to read or garden or paint. There's something, there's something that's going to fill your passions and give you peace. So you get adequate sleep and nutrition. Again, important. Just don't get adequate sleep here. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, I, but the, that's, that's something you need, right? Get help. They'll tell you to go see a therapist. A therapist will give you strategies. You need, maybe you need some time in the woods. You go out and take a walk in nature, and you clear your head. You can journal, do some self-reflection, volunteer, you, get, you de develop a routine. There's a, they give you all these different things, but really at the end of the day, what's interesting about all those suggestions I just gave you, that you'll hear from different places, all of those don't necessarily need to involve God. And it's suggesting that you can get peace without God. But in, was actually, but in Scripture, it tells us that the only way, the only path to peace is through God. So now, either God's Word is lying to you, 
or the world is lying to you. And my money's on the world. And we want to be people who have inner peace in our life. And how can we be someone who has inner peace? We're going to look at that today as we open up God's Word and take a look and look at it together one last time in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And what we'll do here is we'll read this together for our Christmas verse. Isaiah 9, verse 6, it'll be up on the screen. For a child, go ahead, you can say it with me. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you work in lives, God. Thank you, God, that peace comes through you. I pray, Lord, people would have open minds and open hearts this morning to hear and to listen to your word. And may you get the glory, God. Thank you, God, for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we've been here in Isaiah 9-6. What Isaiah 9-6 is telling us is telling us that there is a, that this Isaiah is prophesying. Remember, this is 800 years before Jesus Christ. So as we talk about Isaiah and as we, we discuss him and we discuss different things he's seeing about this Messiah, remember, this is as if you're standing here today, you're predicting something 800 years from now. And so he is talking to us and he's saying, there is a Messiah that's going to come and he's going to come, a child is coming. A baby is going to be born to us. And this child, when he comes, he's going to have an impact, not just on Israel, but to the nations, to the rest of the world. What he's going to do is going to bring people from darkness to light. But as we look specifically at this verse in Isaiah 9-6, the focus is on the child. The focus is on the child. But it says here for, right in the beginning, let me get this going, for a child, a child will be born for us, a son given to us, and the focus here is on the child, this child that is coming. And for us, we, today, as we celebrate Christmas, we focus our minds and our hearts on a son given to us. And I want to get into this part of the verse. We actually haven't done this yet. I was saving it for today. The government will be on his shoulders. What is he talking about there? We are looking at Isaiah. And as Isaiah, as he is describing this, he is saying, here is this child, and this child, the government's going to be on his shoulders shoulders. When he's saying this phrase, if you're looking at that, this phrase right, out, right over here, on his shoulders, it's a symbolic term. When he is describing this, this is a symbolic term of rulership and authority. He's saying that this, that there is, by being on his shoulders, they, this, has, this person has the responsibility to rule. You can see this over, you can see it in Isaiah 22, verse 22. 
where he says he, he uses the same term. He's going to describe the same thing of on his shoulder. And he's going to say, I will place the key of the house of David on his shoulder. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. So here is someone he is describing. He is someone from the house of David, someone with his, with his kingly lineage. He, is, he has authority. He's coming from the king, the king's family. And there is this rulership on his shoulders. He has the, he has the uh, responsibility to rule. By the way, this particular verse is quoted in Revelation 3, verse 7, as a reference to Jesus Christ. So when we get to Isaiah, back in Isaiah 9, 6, it, when it says that the government is on his shoulders, what he's saying is that something intr intrinsic within this person is the authority to rule. But, when, you know, when you hear of, when you see government, you probably think, like, you're looking at this word, and you're like, well, is that, like, U.S. government? Or this is something beyond that. You've got to get that out of your mind. This is a complete and utter authority and power to rule. Rule over any nation, rule over all things. The power to rule. And what's interesting, this Messiah, what he's describing there, remember, remember who he's talking about. Like what, when he's, what he's describing here, he's saying, he's talking about this Messiah. But he's not talking about somebody who's kind of well off in age, who has, who has already uh, kind of worked through life and has developed this, this sort of authority within himself. And people look up to this person and say, okay, now we're going to give you the authority to rule. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a child. He's saying right here, he's saying a child is born for us. This is not even a child who is like five or eight or, or 12 or something. This is a baby. And what he says, Isaiah is saying, when this baby comes, when, it, when this baby is born, intrinsic within the baby, inherent within the baby, is the authority and the power to rule everything. Now, as you... Think about a baby. There's nothing really inherent or intrinsic about a baby except, like, you know, they're pretty demanding at 2 in the morning. At 2 in the morning, they're calling the shots. They're like, all right, you have authority over my sleep right now. And go to this baby. But that's the only, that's the only thing maybe that the, the baby has some authority at the moment. If he can wake you up, maybe... Unfortunately, like me, I was sleeping. Sorry, wife. <laughs> but a baby doesn't have intrinsic authority. But there is something about this particular child. When this child is born, when, when this child comes into the world, who he is, intrinsic within him, is the authority to rule and to reign everywhere. So we get to this question now. And we're asking, as we've gone through this series, we've asked ourselves, this question multiple times. We're going through these different names. And what I want to know is I'm looking at this. What does Isaiah mean when he says Prince of Peace? I don't want to paint my, my uh, 2023 picture into this. I want to know when Isaiah is writing this 2,800 years ago, when he is writing this down and he sees this Messiah coming, what does he mean by saying that that Messiah is going to be a Prince of Peace? 
Now, the word prince, this word is actually a pretty common word in the, in the Old Testament. And it's almost exclusively used, if you're looking through it and you're studying this word in Hebrew, it's almost exclusively used of people, of humans. It appears actually like some 400 times in Scripture. Now, but if you're thinking about a prince, now you've got a picture in your mind, right? If we say prince, um, hopefully he's not Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, like, you know, like a prince. That was a good show. So there was a, the, this prince, you think of like, all right, this is a, a son to a king, right? That's, that's kind of the picture you have in your mind. But the word translated here as prince really has the idea, it, it's more kind of a general term. It's talking about leadership. It is, a, it is an official, a commander, a leader, somebody who has the authority and power to rule. It's, and it's used most of the time of humans. There's one spot is, uh, in Daniel where he uses it, it looks like an angelic being. But for the most time, about 400 times, it's referring to a human. Amen. It's referring to a human ruler or a human official. We're going. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And this is what's interesting here. Now, the, this is the thing that makes this so special is you're looking at Prince, right? So, so in some sense, what Isaiah is telling us is says, okay, there's going to be this, this person's going to, there's going to be a human aspect to this person. Yeah. There's going to be a human aspect. And this, but this person also, what, what's interesting is what it's connected to, right? So you've got this person who's got the rulership, is, is, is able to rule as lead, to have power and authority, but it's connected to this other word, peace. And this is really unique in, in Scripture. Don't miss this. You get to this word, peace. Peace. Now, I'll teach you some Hebrew today. This word, peace, is a Hebrew word you may have heard in the past, the word, shalom. Everyone say shalom. Shalom. All right, good. This is some interactive. We're having, we're having some fun this morning. The word shalom is a beautiful, incredible word. It's mostly translated as peace when, you get, when, you, when you're looking in Scripture. But you have to think kind of this harmonious relationship of free of disputes. There's just this perfect, it has also the idea of friendliness. You can think, and as you're looking at this, of shalom, there's this, you, you are, you're in a harmonious relationship, you're free from disputes, it is friendly. There's also the idea of safety, you're in a place of safety, you're in a place of shalom. You can also refer to your well-being, that you are in a content state, and the whole idea here is you are content, whole, in peace, in shalom. So this whole state of being, being content, being in a harmonious relationship, when you're looking at Scripture, it's talking about God. See, if I'm going to be whole, if I'm going to be complete, if I'm going to be well, the Bible is pointing me to God. Everyone needs shalom. Let's take a look. I'm going to take a look this week, and I'm going to take you through this. How does Isaiah, just we're going to go to look at Isaiah, because the word shalom is used a lot. We'll go through Isaiah. What does Isaiah say about shalom, about peace? First thing he's going to say, he's going to talk about the absence of peace. He says this in verse 20, 
2. He says, there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. So what he's describing here is a, a consequence of sin in the life. If, if, I, if I devote my life to sin, if the, the things that I, that I put in my life, what I invest in is sin, there is no peace for me in my life. No matter how much meditation or all the other stuff that you listed or that I listed earlier. So what's interesting about that, when you're looking at the Prince of Peace then, this Prince of Peace, if you're looking at this person, this Prince of Peace must be a person absent of sin. Somehow this Prince of Peace, when he comes, he is somebody in perfection. Because if he's going to be a ruler of peace, there's no peace for the wicked. This Messiah, when he's going to come, he's going to be somebody who is perfect. What else does Isaiah say? Isaiah says that peace comes through God's intervention. If I want peace, I need God to intervene in my life. You can say this in Isaiah 26, 12. It says that, Lord, you will, you will establish peace for us. For you have also done our work for us. So when we look at the Messiah, he must, this, he is someone who has the, he is the found that, let me back up a little bit. What, I, what is Isaiah saying here? God is the establishment and foundation of peace. Do you want to know where peace begins and actually where peace ends? It comes from God. That's shalom, the wellness, the being whole, content, being fulfilled in who I am starts and ends with God. And then he says, he says this, he says, peace comes through trusting in God. So we've had, we've had uh, peace coming through God's intervention, peace coming through trusting in God. Take a look at what Isaiah says here. Remember, this is Isaiah. Isaiah is the same one that's calling the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. It says, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. Let me do that again. For it is trusting in you. That God will, this is what God does. God will bring the mind, the, the heart that is dependent, that is fully devoted to God. And he will keep that mind. He will guard the mind and keep you in perfect peace. In other words, the path to inner peace, the path to having a soul that is content comes from a mind that is dependent on God. So we're starting to get this picture from Isaiah, what he's describing as shalom, of what, as where peace comes from. And what's interesting now, Isaiah has been telling us, he's telling us over and over again, without God, no peace. With God, there is peace. And, if, and God is the foundation and establishment of peace. And through him, through trusting in him, if my mind is dependent on him, I can have peace in my life. Now, what's interesting, though, is this, when this Messiah comes, see, God will not compete with anybody else. Does that make sense? But when the Messiah comes, this Messiah is now the prince of the ruler of peace. How can that be? Unless the Messiah is God. 
Let's keep going. What else does he say? Peace comes through learning from God. He says this in Isaiah 54, verse 13. All your children will be taught by the Lord their prosperity. This word is, is the word shalom. The Hebrew word under that is the word shalom. Then all of your children will be taught by the Lord their prosperity, their shalom, their peace, their wholeness, and their completion will be great. So what is, it, what is he saying there? Peace comes through learning from God. So, so far as we're looking through this, consequence of a life in sin is a life without peace. If you want peace, peace comes through God's intervention. God needs to intervene into your life. You need to trust in God to have peace, and you need to learn from Him. What else, is, what else does He say about peace? We're going to give a couple more. Peace results from God's Spirit on His people. Isaiah is going to, I want to, going to have to walk you through this a little bit. I need you to follow me. Don't miss any of this. As we go from 14 to verse 17. Now this verse 14, for the palace will be deserted, the busy city abandoned, the hill and the watchtower will become barren places forever, the joy of wild donkeys and a pasture for flocks. Verse 15 is, I want to give you the context. Now verse 15, until the spirit from on high. Holy Spirit. Well, I, how do I do that again? Spirit from on high, you get it. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out on us. Then the desert will become an orchard, and the orchard will seem like a forest. Then justice will inhabit the wilderness, and righteousness will dwell in the orchard. Now remember, we'll follow, follow back. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit is poured out on us. As a result of that, justice, righteousness, and then in verse 17, the result of righteousness will be peace. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, there is righteousness in my life, and the result of righteousness is peace. So somehow, if you're following me, with me here. If you're talking about a prince of peace, somehow this prince of peace must, there has to be someone who's perfect, must have the perfection of God. He's going to rule over peace, and he must be able, somehow this prince of peace has to be able to give righteousness to people. Because if the Spirit of God comes, he gives righteousness to people, and peace results, well, if the prince of peace, the ruler of peace, he's going to give peace to people, then he must be able to give righteousness somehow to people. And how does he do that? How is he going to do this? Isaiah actually answers the question. 2,800 years ago, 800 years before Jesus Christ, he gives us this picture of a suffering servant, and he describes how we get peace through the suffering servant. Says this in Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities, punishment for our peace, our shalom was on him. And we are healed 
by his wounds. So how will the Messiah be the ruler of peace? How will he give peace to his people? He gives peace to people by taking on their punishment, right? Punishment. Punishment for our peace was on him. He bears our iniquities. He is, he has authority over peace. He gives peace. He is the source of peace. Peace comes through the Prince of Peace. And there's one last thing Isaiah says about peace that comes from God. Remember, we're showing this picture. What does it mean to have peace from God? He describes a covenant of peace from God that is immovable and it can't be shaken. Look at this, Isaiah 54, verse 10. Though the mountains move, And the hills shake. My love will not be removed from you. My covenant of peace will not be shaken. Says your compassionate Lord. There is a covenant of peace that comes from God and it is sealed in him. And see, if peace comes from God, it's immovable, it's unshaken, it can't be torn apart, it can't go away, it is in God's control. God is the source, establishment, foundation of peace, and we need Him. So, mention this again now, if God's not going to compete with anybody else, and if the Messiah is going to be the ruler of peace the prince of peace. According to Isaiah, he must be God. And Isaiah, what's interesting, if we get back to that verse, Isaiah 9, 6, he's going to show us in this verse. Josiah, if you could bring that one back up, Isaiah 9, 6. He's going to show us in this verse how the Messiah brings peace. And we've been walking through this. We've been going through this over the last four weeks. And we get to the culmination of this verse. This verse, is, it, has been, it has been taking us on this journey. And we get to this last stop. We get to Shalom. And it's going to tell us, as we're going through this verse, it's going to tell us how peace comes, how the Messiah is going to do this. Peace is going to come through God's wisdom because the wonderful the wonderful counselor. Here you have somebody who's coming. When the Messiah comes, he comes with this supernatural, miraculous power of God and the wisdom of God. And so this Prince of Peace, if he's going to be the Prince of Peace, he comes with the wisdom and the power of God. Second, peace comes through God's power. He is the mighty God. When the... When the Messiah comes, he's going to come with the strength and power of the God of Israel, the God who split the seas, the God who spoke creation into being. He's the God that speaks peace into your life. The mighty God. Peace is going to come through God's compassion, the eternal Father. 
Not only does the Messiah have the wisdom of God, not only does he have the power of God, he has the compassion of God. That when the Messiah comes, he's going to reveal the Father to people. So we ask the question then, going through all that, how does Jesus fulfill Messiah's name, Prince of Peace? We've gone through this journey. We're ending here. We're at the last stop. And I want to know, how, does, how is Jesus then the Prince of Peace? Let's take a look at John chapter 14. If you have your Bible, turn to John 14, verse 26 to 27. John 14, verses 26 to 27. We're going to start here. Jesus is going to say he is giving us this, this lesson on peace. And in John 14, verse 26 to 27, he's going to say this. He says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Interesting thing here, if you were like following us last week, you've got a Trinitarian formula here. The Holy Spirit, the Father, Him. Teach you all things. The counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So he tells us in verse 26, he says that the, the, uh, he says the Father, what the Father is doing, he's sending the Holy Spirit. He's sending the Holy Spirit to his disciples, to the to the followers of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit will do when he comes, he will teach and remind the followers of Jesus of the things that Jesus has said. Now remember what we, what we learned in Isaiah. Isaiah said that we receive peace as we're taught by the Lord. And that peace comes through God's intervention, that God intervening into my life. Through trusting in God and learning from him. So these, when Jesus says that you will have Peace through me. Those are big words. He is saying that the peace that I give you is the peace that comes from God. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And he's going to set up this contrast for us. It's interesting here, verse 27. He's going to contrast the peace that the world gives with the peace that he gives. He's saying the peace that I give you is different from what anything the world is trying to sell you. There is a peace that comes through Jesus Christ that exclusively comes from him. We're actually reading in verse 26 to 27, fulfillment of what we read earlier, Isaiah 32, where we talked about, remember, the Spirit of God is poured out on His people. And when the Spirit comes, 
There is righteousness in the heart, and the result of righteousness is peace from God. Jesus is saying that what Isaiah was talking about, that peace from God, he is, the Father is sending that in my name. That peace comes through me. And it's a peace like nothing else. Therefore, since there is a peace like nothing else, there's a peace that's going to come into your life like nothing you've ever seen. You can have tremendous courage. You can be bold. You don't have to be afraid. Because that no matter what the world will throw at you, it is nothing compared to the power of God in your life that only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus is giving us a covenant of peace in him. Sounds a lot to me like a prince of peace. I want to share three ways Jesus fulfills peace for us. One, Jesus fulfills peace by breaking barriers. Read this in Ephesians 2.14. For he is Jesus Christ. He's talking about here. He is our peace who made both groups one tearing down the dividing wall of his hostility. What's he talking about? Over here, Paul is talking about Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles is somebody that isn't Jewish. And he's saying that there is a lot of hostility. There is friction between these two groups. And what happens is whenever there is two groups that are in friction, it seems impossible to put them together. You take a walk through time. How do you bring do you want, how do you bring a black person and a white person together? How do you bring in time a Jew and a German together? Or today, how do you bring a Jew and an Arab together? See with the world, that's impossible. There's only one source where you get those two groups together. There is one person that breaks that dividing wall. It's in Jesus Christ. And what's beautiful about Jesus is that I could walk into any church filled with any kinds of people all over the world, and we can have one thing in common. I'm sure some other things, but there is definitely one thing in common. We have the love and the power and the peace of Jesus Christ in our life. No matter what we look like, no matter where we come from, no matter anything else, there is a God that breaks down walls. It's a God that the world doesn't know, and they keep trying to figure out ways to do it. You know what the answer to peace is? The answer to peace is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer in the Middle East, San Diego, and everywhere. Second thing. Jesus fulfills peace by being our righteousness. It says this in Romans 4. We'll start in verse 25 to, to 5.1. Talking about Jesus. Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses, raised for our justification. Therefore, verse 1, since we have been justified by faith, we'll talk about that word justified, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We get to this word justified by faith. This word justified, it literally means, what the, what the word literally means, it means to be declared righteous. That through Jesus Christ, I can be declared 
righteous before God. How did that happen? Did that happen because I, like, I went to church a bunch of times? Did that happen because, you know, I was just, I was, I had messed up, but man, I really made some good decisions over here. Does it happen because I preach on a Sunday? No. You know where our, our righteousness comes from. You and me and everyone, and everyone here has put their faith in Jesus Christ. Our righteousness comes from him. It's a result of what Jesus has done for us. Remember, somehow that Prince of Peace has the power to give righteousness to people. How did he do that? He did that by taking on our sins on the cross, taking on our punishment, taking on our trespasses, and raised, declaring us righteous before God. Third, Jesus fulfills peace. By his blood. And take a look at Colossians 1, 19 to 20. It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. He could only make peace if he's God in the flesh. He can only be a ruler of peace if he's God in the flesh. If he is God with us. I heard a story this week on Caleb. And it goes a little bit like this. It talks about this guy. There's a guy, he is pretty skeptical about He's not really a religious person. He's pretty, like, anti-religious. What's interesting is that his wife had just become a uh, Christian. She's a new Christian. She is excited. And she's going to Christmas service, right? And she wants, she wants her husband to come. But the husband's like, you know what? I would feel like a complete hypocrite because I just, I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. I don't believe that somehow God is in a human being. I, don't, I just, I you go, you go to church, you have a good time. I'm going to stay here, read a book, watch TV. So she gets sad and she leaves and she, she heads out and she goes to church. And, he's, and he is there and, and sitting in the, in the house. And as he's sitting there, he hears this thump, boom. He gets up. He's like, what in the world is that? And he gets up and he, he goes to the door and what he, what he sees, he opens the door, is there is a flock of birds have come and they've hit the house and fallen down. It's snowing outside. I know it's San Diego, so it's hard to picture, but you've got to, you know, picture that. In, it's, it's bad weather. I know. We're like, what's that? You know, I know we don't acknowledge anything below like 55 or whatever. But in this, there's, a, there's snow, and it's cold, and it's freezing, and these birds are they're miserable, and they just banged against the and there And he feels bad. You know, he's got compassion for these birds because they were trying to get in the house. So, so what, he's, what he does is he's got a barn, this guy. So he's, he's got a barn. It's warm. It's a nice place that the birds can go to. So what he does is he goes, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to somehow get these birds into the barn where it's safe. So what he does, he, he first thing he tries, he 
get some breadcrumbs, right? Maybe, maybe they'll, they, they will go after the food. So he puts some breadcrumbs down little by little. He puts them in. He leads it. goes up to the barn, and he puts it there. But the birds won't move. The birds are just, they're, no, they're not taking it, and they're just laying there. And they're just kind of laying helplessly in the snow. So what do you think? So he's going to, what he does is I'm going to try to catch them, right? I'm going to try to go after them and go pick them up and force them into this barn. Boom, right? And he just can't. He keeps missing. They, they just, they keep trying to get away. No success. So he tries kind of going behind them. All right, shoo, go into the barn, shoo. And they will not move. And what he realizes then is that he's, he looks at these birds. He realizes the birds are afraid of him. He seems like this big, scary guy, and they, and they just they are they are just afraid of who he is. So he's looking there, and he's looking at the birds, and he has a thought. It's really interesting. He has a thought there, and he says, "You know, if only, if only there was some way I could get these birds to trust me." That, you know, to trust me that I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt them. What I'm trying to do is lead them to safety. But how would he do that? Is, you know, how in the world could I do that? And, and because they're afraid of him. And he thinks, you know, if only I could be a bird. You know, become a bird and mingle among them for a little bit and speak their language. You know, then I could tell them not to be afraid. Then I could show them the way to, to safety through the warm barn. But in order to do that, I would have to be one of them. So they could see, hear, and understand. And he thinks about that. That's what Jesus did for me. He gets on his knees. He says, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't think so lowly of me. You had compassion on me and that you came and took on my place. And you walked among us and that you, and you, what you, and you were leading us to safety. You were leading us, get this, to shalom, to peace. So we ask the final question. What does Jesus, as the Prince of Peace, mean in our lives? Like for real, like what, is, what, is, what does it mean for us? Now, I wish what I could do is I wish I could give you three simple steps, right? I'd give you some, just say, hey, what you need to do is just follow this plan. And, and you, some you could go home and say, okay, I'll work on that. And I'll, I'll try to put these things, you know, the pastor seems to know what he's saying. And, you know, and I'll just put that into place. And the, because, you know, as the world knows, peace is more valuable than riches. What good is it to have all the things in the world and, and yet to have chaos in your life? You know, sometimes you might hear people say, you'll hear people say to make, make Jesus the Lord of your life. Listen, Jesus is Lord already. He doesn't need you to make him anything. He already rules. He already reigns. He rules over the universe. But how many of you know that Jesus can rule over the universe but not rule in your heart? The Prince of Peace wants to bring you peace. He brings peace when he is the ruler 
of your heart. Peace is a Peace is an amazing thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's incredible. But the Spirit of God needs to be poured out in my life. And that happens when my faith is in Jesus Christ. But listen, what happens is now when, when the Prince of Peace is ruling in your life, this verse that I'm about to read for you, this verse can be true for you. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. I could stop it right there. I could say, Jason, you don't need to hear it. I don't need to hear anymore. Don't worry about anything. What are you talking about? There is so much to worry about. I have a long list. But there is, how many of you know that you need a power bigger than yourself to be able to say that that first part is true about me? Because if you leave it to me, I'm going to worry about everything. But if my mind and my heart is dependent on who God is, if I remember the gift of Christmas time, this gift that says there is a son given for me, the, he rules, the government is on his shoulders, he is a prince of peace, and he speaks peace into my life. I don't have to be afraid. Because in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the shalom, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, when your heart is under the rulership of Jesus Christ, so you need a power bigger than yourself. You need a power that has the ability to guard your heart and your mind. Because there's so much trying to get in. There are so many voices. There is so much in our world. There's so much battling to get in and to take up your headspace. But there is a God who wants your headspace. There's a God that wants, to, that wants to be your prince of peace, that will give you peace in your life. But you've got to surrender to him. You've got to say, God, I will go. God rule in my life. I've let so many other things rule in my life. But today... This Christmas, and this may be the first time you're thinking about this, but this Christmas, this can be a Christmas where you have peace. I don't care what's happening around. Because there is, let me follow this, there is nothing happening around you that is going to be stronger or more powerful than the power of God in your life. And so no matter what the noise is, there is a peace that passes understanding that can guard your heart and your mind. In Christ Jesus. So what is it that I want you to remember today? As we close, the, the team can come up. What do I want you to remember today? I want you to know, one, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That in your life, when they, whenever you're going through, whenever you see yourself going through times of stress and anxiety, when there are things coming up, when the noise of the world is trying to get your attention, that there is an, there is an immovable, unshakable foundation in your life. That there is a peace that passes all understanding that you can remember to say, you know what, my mind hasn't been dependent on God lately. And what I, I need God's peace in my life. And I, let me remember, there is a foundation within me, a foundation of Jesus Christ. And when I lean on him, there is power that is bigger than any storm. 
There's power that's bigger than any hurt or any pain. There's power in Jesus Christ. And if you're somebody that wants that peace, that shalom in your life, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's like, Jason, how is this? It sounds like a fantasy. I don't ask you to trust me. I ask you to trust Jesus. I ask you to trust him. Don't follow me or anybody else. It's Jesus Christ. So I don't have the power to give you peace. But there is a prince of peace. And that prince of peace wants to rule in your life. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons from Catalyst Church San Diego. If you're in the San Diego area, we would love for you to visit us. Our church is at 6038 Cumberland Street in San Diego, California. We meet every Sunday for our worship service at 1030 a.m. You can reach us anytime by visiting our website at CatalystChurchSD.org or emailing us at info at CatalystChurchSD.org.